Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Renice. You're listening to Devoted.、Um, so, we've been doing soul surgery, and I hope your soul has revived. The surgery has been done by the Lord. I'm just an instrument in His hands for Him to use me as a tool for you to gain what you need from the Lord, okay? From Him. So, I hope that you did look at John 4, the Samaritan woman, because <clears throat> I believe that the scripture does surgery by itself. You know, the scripture is a two edged sword for a reason, it does surgery by itself. And so,、uh, during the soul surgery, I hope that you were able to cry some things out, relinquish some things at the feet of Jesus, take up some things that God is trying to tell you to take up, you know, forget some things, move ahead, grab things.、Um, Shed some things, whatever it is, forgive whatever it is that you experienced. That was what you needed to experience. Maybe some of you you just got wisdom about what so ties is, you know. And I believe that God is going to let me do more of the so surgery different times. This time we focus on so ties. Maybe next time he's gonna cause me to focus on something else that the so needs to uh to to really deal with. And I believe that the Lord allowed me to talk about so ties is because, you know, in 2023, we're going to move forward. You know, there are things that we have to leave behind, right? Before we can move forward. There are things that maybe we might have to take from our past and bring it into our present because it's vital for us to have it. You know, some relationship might need to be mended, some relationship might need to be let go. So, whatever it is that God was doing, Was, he was doing it to prepare you for your 2023.、Um, many people, I believe that even for myself, I can relate, can carry things from past, from year to year to year to year, right? In our soul. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to move from glory to glory, from victory to victory. And so I, I pray that the soul surgery, you allow God to really do something in you because. It was not me that did anything. I didn't do anything. I was just a tool in the Lord's hands to use to help you draw Him closer to you and, and you to Him so that that encounter can happen. That, 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 Samar- that, good, good,、uh, that good Samaritan you know, encounter with, that, with a man that was on the side of the road can happen. You know, that encounter of the woman. At the well can happen. You might have been the woman at the well that Jesus needed to meet. You know,、um, the, the, the woman who was bleeding for many years, that encounter could happen. Some of you might have to stretch your hand and actually be intentional in listening to soul surgery and letting God literally help you remember certain things and literally release it. You know, some of you, it had to be work, you had to do something.、Uh, maybe you might be the man at the pool of Bethesda. That Jesus came and said, Do you want to be made whole? Maybe the soul surgery was God asking you, Do you want to be made whole in this specific issue? And so, whatever person you were, whoever you were, whatever you had to endure, whatever you had to relinquish, whatever you had to let go, whatever it is that you had to experience, it was meant for you to experience that. Because I believe that God wants us to be healed, right? As we prosper, our soul. Also prosperous, right? And so I hope you were blessed. I hope you were really blessed. And if you think that it could help somebody else, please pass it on. Maybe next time I'm g o n n a teach about something else about the soul. We don't know what God would do, right? 
whatever he does is perfect in the right time in the right season so we are going to be talking about joseph i have been waiting to talk about joseph forever literally like when i tell you that i sympathize i empathize i understand i have lived i i just love the story of joseph i can relate when i tell you i can relate to the story of joseph i can relate to the story of joseph and i believe that many of you can as well there are certain parts in your life that you can look at joseph's life and say you know what god that happened to me too maybe you might not have literally been thrown into a pit but maybe the gossip that happened was the pit that you were thrown into maybe the sabotage you know uh maybe the divorce maybe the loss of a child maybe you know financial burden whatever it is that happened maybe that was your pit it might not have literally been you know symbolic like you are going into a pit but it could have been a certain different pit or maybe you know you were crowned to be a leader you know that was your joseph moment of coming to the palace right um maybe you were crowned to be a leader in your job or uh, a church or in your family whatever be a ministry or volunteer your way of experiencing joseph might not be exactly like joseph but there is that promotion that elevation that testing all of that so today we are going to start our series on the year of joseph's that's what it's called mentors and lessons i believe that in joseph's life every season he was mentored for something and then he had some lessons mentors come with lessons people always want to be mentored oh i want elijah's mentor i want to be like elijah you are elisha you want the mentor of elijah but you have to know that you have to go through some testings right God allow testings to happen. He doesn't allow temptations that's from the devil. But God allow you to go to test. Even Jesus went to test before he was mentored to be able to go and, and minister, cast out demons, you know, prophesy, pray, heal, cast, you know, do all the things that he did. Sometimes your mentor and your lessons merge together when right after Jesus was, you know, uh baptized, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and that was his lesson. He had to be able to defeat the enemy with the word of God. The same word that he's going to go preach, he had to be tested by it. And so many people want to say, "Oh, I want to be an apostle. I want to be a prophet. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a minister. I want to be a teacher." But all those mentors, all those those anointing, all those you know, assignment, they come with lessons. And the lessons never stop. It never stops. Every elevation there is a lesson every mental the mental that you're placed on there is another lesson that you have to endure elisha got double favor double blessing double of the anointing that elijah had such anointing you will go through testing okay you will everyone that has been commissioned ordained into the pro- into the office of a prophet office of apostle minister pastor whatever you want to call yourself in the five foot ministry you have to go through testing demons come to test you through people okay sometimes it's actual demons but you have to endure those because you know the testing of your faith causes what perseverance right and so that you will be complete and perfected for the kingdom and so that's what we're going to learn about 
this coming um, season, we're going to learn about Joseph, the see, the year of Joseph's. I believe that 2023 is the year of Joseph's. In 2022, there were some Joseph, but I believe that this year of 2023 is literally the year of Joseph where people are being sent. Joseph's are being sent into uh, kingdoms, good kingdoms and bad kingdoms to go and be the Joseph that God has called him to be. To go and be the vessel, the God, the mouthpiece, the wisdom that that place needs. Some of you might be in the marketplace. Some of you might be in the church. Some of you might be in the school system. But you are Joseph. You've been prepared during this time. You have been prepared. Trust me. If you're going through trials and tribulations, you have been prepared during this time to be that Joseph that is needed in that place. And so we're going to start our series now, before we start, I want you to know that we're gonna today we're gonna talk about how Joseph came about. Nobody just appear, right? There are people who leave the world because God took them, like Enoch. Um, but nobody just appear like that. Well, even Jesus did not just appear. He was he was he he was a, a little embryo in the belly of his mother Mary through the Holy Spirit encounter. There was no man that impregnated her. It was the Holy Spirit encounter. Even though Jesus was born as a baby, right? So nobody just appeared like that, right? So we're going to look at how Joseph came about, how, how his birth, his mother, you know, his parents, who are his parents, and, and um, how he was born and, and why he was born. And then uh, we're going to pray. Of course, we're going to pray today. We're going to worship. There's going to be worship music. I don't know what worship songs the Lord wants to have you listen to. But we're going to listen to worship and we're going to pray. And I'm going to tell you what God is doing in this season. Okay. So right now, I just want to play a worship music. And then we will get into the teaching today. Anybody here dependent on Jesus? totally dependent on Jesus and there's no point without him it's a waste of time without him right yeah feel free to sing with us the song is simple it says tell me what can I do cause I can't live without you I can't live without you oh tell me what can I do? Cause I can't live without you. I can't live without you. Oh, tell me what can I do? Cause I can't live without you. Can't live without you. Oh, tell me what can I do? Cause I can't live without you. No. I can't live without you. So here's my heart. Here's my mind. I give you my soul, Lord. I need you to take control. Cause I tried it all. Tried it on my own. But what I found is I can't make it on my own.
Without your love, there's 
Joseph. So, this teaching is to help prepare and even give you more understanding of what Joseph does, why he does what he did, why God did what he did in his life. Joseph was mentored for redemption. That was his main mentor was redemption, to redeem the people in Israel, to redeem uh, his family, and for his life to be redeemed by God. His whole purpose was redemption. He was a key of redemption for people's life. He always helped redeem people, even in prison. He helped redeem the, the cupbearer, right? His life purpose was redemption. We are, to, we are in the divine interruption. We are in the divine interruption where God is realigning his people into where he's trying to take them. Some divine interruptions might be God telling you to quit your job. Some divine interruptions might be God telling you to move to a different place or sever a relationship or take on a job or do this or do that. Whatever it is God is telling you right now that does not feel right, you feel like it's just out of the blue, like everything is going great. Why do you want me to do this? Like... You feel like it doesn't make sense. You got to go back to the Lord and ask him to confirm it. And God is a God of confirmation. He will confirm it to you as many times as you need him to confirm it. We are in a season of the Good Samaritan season. I feel the fire of God all over me. We are in the season of the Good Samaritan season because this is the season where God is sending his people to be a, a, a good Samaritan. We know the story of the good Samaritan. If you don't know the story of the good Samaritan, I want you to go and look in the book of Luke um, about the man that was on the side of the road. He was taken advantage of and God sent a good Samaritan to come and help him. Luke ten twenty five to 30, 37. Go and look at it. The parable of the Good Samaritan. We are in the season of the Good Samaritan. Wherever you go, be the hands and feet of Jesus with your words, with your actions, because God is leading his children to be the Good Samaritan that somebody needs. It might be you telling somebody God loves you, and that's what they need to hear. Okay, God is sending the body of Christ into the world to be Good Samaritans, to meet the needs of somebody. Every day you are called to meet the need of somebody. It might be a hug, a pat, you holding the door for somebody, you letting somebody come before you in traffic. 
okay you buying food for the person behind you or someone who can who cannot pay for your food you know you telling the per- person next to you you know the lord loves you whatever it is that god is leading you to do do it because this is a good this is a the, the time of good samaritan that god is releasing us to be his hands and feet for that purpose when it comes to marriage god is bringing restoration and fighting fair into marriage how to fight fair Okay, marriage is by causing you to revisit your vows. You got to revisit your vows. Every year, revisit your vows. If you wrote it down, revisit it. If you don't remember, ask the Holy Spirit to remind you. Go back into the Word of God and look at what love is. Love is kind. Love is patient. That is a vow, right? Revisit your vows because restoration is, is in the re- revisitation. Restoration is in your revisitation and also fighting fair, right? Being a good listener to your, your husband or your, your wife. If you're a man, you know, your wife. If your husband, uh, excuse me, if your wife, your husband, right? So you got to have a listening ear. Listen twice, speak once. Because one thing I've, I've heard a lot of couples say is that in marriage, you cannot take back what you say. When you say something rude and mean, you can take back. It's it's like it's it's in the atmosphere. It's set in stone. Like they heard it, and it words hurt more than anything. And I feel fire in my heart because God is is healing somebody right now. That you have to be careful what you say, especially with men. You know, men are are more fragile than we think they are. You know, um, they love to fix things. They do, and we love them for that. But you have to realize that. You, your words can break him or make him. So you got to be careful with what you say out of your mouth, okay, as women. Women, we like to talk. Even with our friends, we like to talk, 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 and we have words to say. Um, men take words very um, very close to their heart, especially from their wife, because your words can encourage him or your words can break him, okay? So you got to choose to encourage him. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. I will tell you this. The best place you can vent is the Lord, is at the feet of Jesus, is in prayer. Vent to the Lord. Even for me, I vent to God. You know, when I have a boss, that I just feel like they're not being a good boss, even a leader in my life. I go to the Lord and I vent. I make sure I get it all out before I go in front of the person. Okay, and I asked the Lord, give me the words to say. So, you know, in your marriage, if your husband or if you're a man, your wife is, you know, not being sweet with your words, pray for them. Pray for them. And then ask God what he can show you that you can do to help them and help the relationship. But I would say vent to God. Don't always vent to your friends. I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't be venting to your friends about your husband all the time because some of your friends don't want to see your marriage prosper. And that's the truth. Go to God first. When it comes to your marriage, the Lord is the one in between your marriage. Marriage is between you and your husband and God or you and your wife and God. So the person that you need to go first is the Lord. And then if you need to just vent to your girlfriend about it, your friends about it, then yeah, go and vent. But I would say the first person to go is to go to the Lord. And if you, you can't hear God say anything, then 
find somebody, one person that you trust that the Lord has helped you select to be a prayer partner or, you know, your venting person. So fight fair. God is pouring his peace on his people in worship. If you don't have peace in your life, if something is going crazy, okay, maybe you lost your job, whatever it is, go, go straight to worship. Because that's, that's not what the, the, the enemy wants you to do. You know, David encouraged himself. And I believe, you know, when David encouraged himself, he probably encouraged himself with, with a song. Okay? He probably did because he's a psalmist. You start singing worship over yourself. I will survive. I will triumph. I will overtake this mountain. You got to start speaking it and singing it over yourself. Okay? Ask God. Ask the Lord. For his will to be done in your life and his kingdom to come. So that's the prophetic words for this today. Those are the prophetic words for today that the Lord is uh, releasing to his people. This is the season God wants to do more than you can imagine. But it comes, to, it comes by you yielding to what he wants to do. So now I want us to listen to a song and then we're going to go into prayer. Whatever comes 
so I am so sorry for the little statics that are happening while I'm talking. Um, I don't know why, but let's just pray that it stops. I think it's because I'm moving the um, the equipment that I'm using to record. That's why it keeps making those little noise. So sorry about that. Let's go into prayer. Father, we just thank you right now. We, we exalt your name. We reverence your your power, your your grace, your just your fatherhood in our lives. We thank you for ministering to us all throughout this season of soul surgery. We thank you for the things that you did and the things that you're continuing to do. We know that God, you care about us. You care, Father, about us. Every detail of our lives, you care. And so we thank you for caring. We thank you for being a God that is detailed. Even in how we look, God, and how we behave and the things we desire and the things we do, you are detailed. And we thank you for being specific with us. So we pray right now and we ask you for your kingdom to come, your will to be done as we come and dine at your feet with your word. I pray for revelation in the room. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to those that need your ministry. You're ministering, God. I ask you the songs we just touch the hearts of your people and your minds, God, and heal them in their places that they need healing. Let it minister to them. I thank you for breaking the spirit of witchcraft off of those that are listening as they listen to your word, God, as they listen to your, your love for them through your word and through the worship. I don't know who's dealing with the spirit of witchcraft in your life that is causing you to not feel like you are moving forward, but the Lord sees it and he wants to break it off of you. So God, I release your fire upon that person now. We break it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for sending angels even to that person right now. I thank you for the war angels that you've sent to break the spirit of witchcraft of that person. I lose the fire of God upon you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I break it now. In the name of Jesus, I break it now. Off of the person. God, I thank you for releasing your fire upon that person right now. In the name of Jesus, there's a turnaround coming in your life, the Lord says. Laughter is coming back in your life, in your in your relationship, in your marriage. Restoration, the Lord says, is coming back in your life. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you glory for what you've done right now. We thank you for your angels that you are sent, that are fighting even now on behalf of the person that is listening. Ah, I feel such a fire. Glory to your name, Adonai. Glory to your name. And so, God, I thank you for breaking that spirit of witchcraft. The name of Jesus is above witchcraft, yes. The name of Jesus Christ is above every demonic assignment. Demonic assignment are broken by the name of Jesus. We release the name of Jesus upon that person right now in Jesus' name. I want you to pray if you're listening as well. 
aba serebe korabata riskata bakuri isaraba God, I release the name of Jesus upon that person. In the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus that has power. Jesus. Jesus. We release the name of Jesus in the atmosphere over the person, over the circumstances. We release the name of Jesus into the places. It is done, the Lord says, Jesus' name. So God, we take authority over this time. I dismantle every assignment of the enemy. I break it now off in Jesus' name. I release the fire of God against everything that is not of you. We take authority over it. We dismantle it in the name of Jesus. I pull it down. I command it to break. In the name of Jesus, and I ask you for your covering over this time. Let your spirit dwell. Let your hedge of protection be upon everyone, including myself. I thank you, the Lord. You're going to speak through me. I yield my mouth, my mouthpiece to you, my mind, my body, my spirit, my soul, my ear gates, my eye gates, my nose gate. Every senses, God, I yield it to you, Adonai, that you will take charge. Father, that you will speak out of me. Your words will penetrate the hearts of your people. That your word will be written on your heart, God, for your kingdom, for your power. Let my ear gates be in tune to your mouth, Lord Jesus. And let your words go forth and accomplish what you say it should and it prospers. We thank you for the Joseph anointing that is in the room. We thank you for the Joseph revelation that you're pouring upon us and upon me, God. That we will receive and be doers of your word, not just hearers only. I pray the Lord, even as I teach this, like the activation that you want to activate those that are Joseph, be activated within them, that they will start to implement what they learned, that they will be able to get the revelation and keep it. They will, they will keep the, the seeds that you've sown upon them, the revelations, God, they will hold on to it, that they will be able to go back and re-listen and reread the words that is in your word in Genesis, God concerning Joseph, and you will give them more revelation, more understanding, Father they'll be able to implement it in the places, in the industries, in the mountains of influence that you send them to, God. And they will be your vessels for your kingdom, for your glory alone, we do pray. And we seal this time with the blood of Jesus. Amen. a perfect moment to dump everything you've been carrying for the last seven days and lay it at the altar of God and say, God, have it all. Father, take my sorrow, take my pain, take my shame, take everything, God, that is unlike you, God. Take it out of us now, God. We declare that you can have it all. Somebody open your mouth and say, have it all, God. Come on. Shake me, Father. Make me over again, Lord God. This is a corporate worship right here. I dare you to open your mouth and tell God to shake me. Come on. He can have it all. Somebody's on the edge of your breakthrough right now. The breaker. The king. He's here to put you on the potter's wheel again. You may be broken, but he can make you over again. All I need is about 18 people that will tell God, Father, You can have it all. 
grateful by elevation worship and that song that i played right after this is called have it all by first start worship i don't know about that i just love that song so much it's such a warfare song like the way that he just prays in the song and just that song is just such a a, a prophetic song i just love it so much I know those that listen to this podcast, you hear me pray, you hear me pray and you hear me play the song a lot because it's such an anointed song. So sorry, well, not sorry, <laughs> if I play this song a lot. I just feel led to play it today and I hope it minister to you. So let's go into our teaching. I want you to get your Bibles and your pens and your books and your papers and start to scribe down what God tells you. You know, as I teach... I, I have a, a, um, a revelation and understanding that when I'm teaching, God is talking to his people as well. Not just what I'm saying, but he's talking to you about other things as well. And that's what I want. I want you to hear the voice of God when I'm teaching. Not just what I say out of my mouth, what you're hearing, but you're hearing deeper than that. I want you to hear deeper than that, you know. I want you to hear the voice of God. I want you to hear the Lord. I want him to speak to you about the things that, that is in your heart. I want him to be able to talk to you about the deep things, right? 
Because he, his sheep knows his voice. And that's what I desire for his people, for you to know the voice of God for yourself. And so I pray, God, that as I'm teaching, that they will hear your voice. Those that don't, don't know your voice, their ears will be activated. That Samuel anointing will come in your room. That as you called Samuel, Father, and Samuel kept going to Eli, that they will go to you, God. They will, they will have that revelation and they will say, yes, Lord, here I am. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. I just pray that over them. The Lord is releasing his fire over your ears. Yeah. In the name of Jesus and over your heart. Because it takes a heart posture to hear the Lord. So I thank you for the fire in your hearts, God. And in your ears. In the name of Jesus. So let's go into the book of Genesis. All right. I hope that you guys really enjoyed the songs and you took time to worship. So now we're going to learn about who um, <clears throat> Joseph is from where he came from, meaning that how he got here, how his parents got here. We're going to look at his family background, you know, his father, his father's side. Uh, and then also his mother's side, how he got here. So we're going to look at who Jacob is, because Jacob is um, the father of Joseph. And her, um, the mother of Joseph is Rachel. We know that already. But I want to take you through, just in case somebody here who's listened to this episode doesn't know the history, the family of who Joseph is. And so I want us to look at Genesis, um, Genesis 25, 19 to 33. We're going to read a lot of Bible because we are learning about who they are. So we have to read a lot of Bible. And of course, God is going to give revelations as well. But we're going to read a lot of Bible. So I want you to, that's why I asked you to get your books, your Bibles, so that you can write down what you need to write down. Um, and let the Lord minister to you. So we know about Abraham and Sarah. It was Abraham and Sarah when God created them. Um, and the Lord said to Abraham, that out of him, the nations will come. He will use his child to bring many, many people into the world. And he told Abraham to go and look at the stars. And that's the number so many it's unnumbered you cannot count all of it and god was telling him out of you i'm gonna bring so many of your generations into the world and at that time abram and sarah were not pregnant they were married but they didn't have kids and they were in their old age you know and as you know scientifically it's you don't it's not possible to have a child at an old age you know as you age your chances per science um, is declining when it comes to having kids. But the thing about God is that he does the impossible. Time belongs to him. He is the one that blesses with children. Blessings. Children come from the Lord. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And so God is always going against the grain. He is the God that knows how to go against men's thoughts and their limitations, right? He uses the, the foolish things to confide the wise. You know, most scientists, most 
people who are in the medical field and God created the medical field. He, he allowed wisdom to come into the medical field to help us. But, you know, sometimes people like to box him in because of that wisdom. Sometimes wisdom can be a good thing and a bad thing. People can use wisdom to limit God. And so God is like, no, no, no. I am the God of the universe. I created you. I created everything. I created time. Time belongs to me. I know how to birth a baby out of you at your old age. When you're 90, when you're 100, I know how to do that. And so that's exactly what God did. Of course, you know, Hagar came into play. Uh, Sarah was like, you know, take my my maidservant, Hagar, and have kid with with Hagar. And then she became jealous of the fact that Hagar accomplished what she wanted her to accomplish, to have a child, Ishmael. But then the Lord said, I'm not going to bring my promise that I made to you, Abraham, through Ishmael, because that's not the plan that I had. And sometimes that's what we do as children of God. We, we, don't, we get impatient, you know, we get impatient. And even myself, you know, I, I, can, I can attest to that. We do get impatient and sometimes we want to go and get our own Ishmael. We want to go and make it happen. You know, some of you, I want to go and, and marry that person so I have, a, a, you know, you have a wife or so that you have a husband. And you know that's not the right person for you or you, you want to go and start that business just to show that you can start it you know you, you want to go and 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 you know uh, build that thing or do that thing but has God said that is where your blessing is coming from no because you're just going to make an Ishmael and it's going to be chaotic and confusion and just man-made Ishmael was man-made it wasn't God who wanted that to happen and so the Lord still did not change his mind because he's not, a, he's, he's, he's not man that he changes his mind, right? He's not man that he has to repent. When he says it, it is. It's final. It's finite. It is what it is. It's amen. It will be established in some other way. He will find a way to make it happen because his word does not return to him void. It, it goes forth and accomplish what he said it should and it prospers. And we see exactly that, that it prospered, that Isaac was the one that the Lord brought forth the nations. That at the old age of Sarai and Abram, and they became Abraham and Sarah, you know, and they birthed the nations through Isaac. And of course, the Lord tested, and that's the thing about God, is that when you are a friend of God, when you are close to him, he will have that time of testing where he will tell you to surrender your Isaac. He will. And I believe that every apostle had, had, have had to surrender an Isaac. It might not be a physical person. It might not be, you know, uh, your child. But it's something that's dear to your heart. Something that you look to as the promise. And you knew this is what God said is going to happen through this child or through this thing. But God was going to test you to see, do you love him enough? Do you... Trust him enough to surrender it to him, knowing that he still can bring forth the promise. Because the Bible says that Abraham told the servant, wait here, the child and I are going to go and come back. Because he knew that God is not going to sacrifice Isaac. He knew, even if he did sacrifice Isaac, he knew that God is, pos- is, 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 is able to raise up Isaac from the dead. He knew for whatever the Lord said to him, he held on to it and he knew it is so. And we see that same with Joseph. 
when we read about Joseph later on, you're going to see that Joseph held on to the word of God. And this is a generational blessing that I, I, I see in the lineage of Joseph, that his great-grandparents held on to the promises of God. That's what they focused on. That's what, that's what kept them going. Even when God said, do this, and it was contrary to his promise, they knew that God is faithful to complete what he said he will. And we see that with Joseph, that he knew that God was with him, that God would do what it is he said he would do. And God showed him what he was going to do in the future. They had foresight and insight. They had that generational blessings of foresight and insight through dreams and visions and even vocally, you know, speaking with the Lord and all of that. And so they, they knew how to hold on to that. And that was passed on. And it's good to have that type of gift and, and hold on to that type of gift. Hold on to, 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 to that type of relationship. Because we, we even see in, in the story of Joseph that Joseph, the Bible says that God was with Joseph. Just as God was with Abraham and Abraham when his name was changed. Just as God was with Jacob and, and Israel when his name was changed as well. And so we see that. Isaac was born. I want you to go to Genesis and read about it. But that is the how, you know, um, Isaac was born. And then when Isaac was born, Isaac married Rebecca. I'm not going to go into the whole process. Basically, Rebecca, um, uh, Abraham told his servant to go. I already, I already taught about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. So you can, you can go and look at it, the podcast that I, ta- I taught about it. But Abraham told, well, Abraham told his servant to go and look for a wife for Isaac. And so his servant prayed and he, and he went to a certain region and he prayed to the Lord and said, God, um, the, the woman that comes, the woman that comes to this well, if it's the woman that you want for Isaac, let her, you know, fetch me water and also my animals, the animals that he came with. Let her give him water, the servant and also his animals. And that's exactly what Rebecca did. Rebecca came to the well, drew water for the servant and the camels. I, I don't know if it was a camel or I don't know what kind, of, what kind of animal it was, but it was his traveling animals that he brought with him. And that's the intentionality about the Lord. The Lord knows who is right for you to marry. He knows. He knew, he knew Sarai was right for Abraham. He knew um, Rebecca was right for Isaac. And Rebecca knew that she had to be at the well at that specific time. And so she went. So whatever the Lord is telling you to do, do it. Because there is divine alignment and divine position and divine um, encounter that comes with where you are supposed to be at what time. And you never miss God. Even if you miss him, he will redirect you to the right thing that you need to have or you need to possess or you need to do. Time belongs to the Lord. And so we see that Isaac and Rebecca got married. And then they had Jacob and Esau. I want us to read about how, you know, all of that. So we're going to read it um, about how Jacob and Esau came about. Because they were twins. These are the first twins that we see in the Bible. And those that don't know, I'm a twin as well. I am a twin. I have a sister, an amazing, beautiful anointed sister um we don't look alike we are fraternal twins we are very opposite we're very very opposite but um so let's look in genesis 25 19 to 34 so before we read genesis 25 
I want you to know that in Genesis 25, um, we see that Abraham, Abraham, excuse me, died. Abraham gave up the ghost and he died. And then also Sarah also died. It says here, um, Genesis 25, 8, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. And his sons, Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave. So he died. And also it says here, if you go down, it says there was, there was Abraham buried and Sarah, his wife and Sarah, his wife. So they were buried together before Isaac uh, had kids. He did not meet Isaac's kids until, you know, he, 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 didn't, he never met Isaac's kids because he already died. And Ishmael also died. Ishmael had children um, and he died. He was, it says in Genesis 25, 17, and, there, and these uh, are the years of the life of Ishmael. Hundred and and hundred and thirteen and hundred and thirteen and seven years. So um, he lived a long time, and he gave up the ghost and died, and he was gathered unto his people. And then it goes on to nineteen. So we're going to focus on Genesis nine, Genesis twenty five nineteen. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethel the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated to him of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? I'm reading for the King James Version. And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. I love the fact that she went and prayed when she realized there, you know, what, what, what was happening with her children in her belly. And I believe the Lord is trying to tell the child, you know, his child right now, uh, you know, a woman that's pregnant, and maybe you, you're having some issues with your pregnancy. And the Lord says, inquire just as Rebecca inquired meaning that pray to him ask him what's going on and he will identify he will show you what it is okay so we see that it says here two nations are in thy womb um so basically she has twins in her womb and two matter of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger and this is basically um the Lord prophesying, you know, speaking what, what is to come concerning um, the children that he's given to Rebecca and Isaac. Um, it's important that you, as a, a mother, a future mother, you seek the Lord in what he's going to do with your children. Because when you do, you are not surprised. And also you can help them get to where they're supposed to be. I, I love it and I always... I'm tearful and very emotional when I see children, even babies, being prophesied to, being being um, um, baptized and well, not, you know, christening. 
how they, they do christening, like they, they pray for the child, they dedicate the child to the Lord. Um, I love to see that. And then when the pastors or, the, you know, the apostles and the prophets, they come and just prophesy what the Lord is going to do with the children. I just love that. I, I always feel the heart of the Lord for, for them during that moment. That moment is so sacred and it's beautiful because you get to have a chance to speak the word of the Lord upon the child before anybody else even have a chance to speak anything against a child. Because when you do speak and release it, it is, it is established. You know, what you say, angels hearken to what, what, the Lord of the, what, what the word of the Lord comes out of your mouth. And demons also snatch and actually utilize what you say that is not right. You know, any demonic things, any wicked things, any evil things that you say, demons can attach themselves to it. And so it's important that you you pray over your children when they come. Who who is speaking over your kids? That's the that's the the question the Lord has for you. Are you allowing Him to speak over your kids, or or are you just saying anything? You know, it's important that you, what even the nicknames that you give your kids. It's important. You know, don't call your kids knucklehead and you know fat fat or big belly. No, call them warrior, beautiful, champion. Call them names that are good, that, that they can hold on to. Because children remember what you say, not what you do. They remember what you say. Even you yourself as a parent or even as a, you know, a woman or a man, you remember the things that you heard as your childhood, right? Wouldn't you want your parents to call you warrior or people to call you warrior champion, you know, um, vict victorious? Didn't you want them to call you names that are very good and positive so that's important so let's read it it says here um and the lord said to her two nations are in your womb two people shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other meaning that one, the one, one of the twin and that twins generation from there going forward will be stronger than the other the older shall serve the younger so when her her days were fulfilled, meaning that when she reached the nine months for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And that, you know, at that time they didn't have no sonogram to try and see the heartbeat of the child, and you know, um, see the toes and the fingers and the face of the child and those you know pictures that they have. They didn't have that, but they they, they lived upon the word of the Lord. What God said, they believed it. And that's, I think that that's what has happened is that science, you know, people have to see it to believe it. Like, I need to see that I'm, I'm pregnant. Can you believe, can you trust the Lord to tell you that you are pregnant with, with twins without you actually having to go to the doctor and say, I want to see the twins in my belly? Can you trust the Lord to, to, to hear the Holy Spirit tell you you're, you're pregnant with a daughter and actually start buying clothes for, for a daughter and not go to the doctor and say, Am I having a daughter or a son so I can prepare? Can you can you trust the word of the Lord and say you have a son in your belly and that you're preparing, you're buying all the blue stuff and all the, you know, the cars and the, 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 the things that boys like. And then the day that you give birth, you know you're giving birth to a boy. Can you trust the Lord to do that? I think that sometimes people have allowed the world to sniff out their faith to really dilute yes that's the word dilute their faith let's go back to having faith in the lord in what he says and it is that we don't gotta see proof people are so proof oriented i need i need proof i, I need to see the proof 
Well, the word of the Lord is proof enough. The Bible is proof enough. The, the history of God is proof enough. And so she believed. She didn't have to see it. She didn't have to have no confirmation from another prophet. She was speaking directly to the Lord. And that's the thing that people want to go to this person and that person. God want to speak directly to you. And it says 25, Genesis 25, 25. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. After his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, meaning uh, his feet. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Remember that. Isaac was 40 years old when he got married to Rebecca. Now Isaac is what? 60. 20 years later, she, he, she finally gave birth. 20 years of marriage. And they finally had a baby. They finally had twins. Two nations. This is prophetic in nature. Many people, God has called you to bear nations, to, to, to be one to carry nations, to be one to, to do the impossible, to be one to be the first to give birth to twins in your family, to be one to do the, the first of something. Rebecca and Isaac were the first one to have twins ever. And then many people started having twins. They waited 20 years to, to be the first one. And God is saying, how long can you wait to be the first one in your family, in your community, in your country, in your, in your circle of influence to be the one to do something that he's called you to do? They waited for a long time. Can you wait 20 years to see the promise of the Lord? Let's keep reading uh, 27. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Jacob dwelt in tent. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. His game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. See, we see here a uh, parental issue here. They, they both took sides. They, they both one of them loved the other one more than the other. I believe that the reason why Isaac loved Esau more is because Isaac was more of, I mean, uh, Esau was more of a hunter and something that Isaac probably already did. So they could, they bonded more with that. But, you know, um, Jacob was more of somebody who dwelled in tent. And we know that women were in the tent making food, putting garments together. That Proverbs 31 woman, you know, they were doing a lot in tents. They weren't really out there doing things. So I could see how they both separated their love for each child because they, they, they spend more time with that child more than the other. I believe that... Um, they possibly did not realize that they were actually causing sibling rivalry by doing that. Um, but we can see that there was si so, uh, you know, sibling rivalry here. That uh, a parent should not love one, more one child more over the other. You know, a parent should love 
each child the same or should love each child equally. Now, I'm not a parent yet. When I am a parent, I will get all the complete understanding of that. But I will say this, is that parents should be careful not to love one child over the other because children can see and sense that. They know how to feel that. They can actually sense that you love one child more than the other, okay? And so we see that Esau means hurry. Esau's name means hairy. And Jacob's name means supplanter. Supplanter means deceiver, okay? So let's keep on reading. 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew. Jacob was in the, you know, in the tent, so he, he learned how to cook like his mom was, right? And Esau came in from the field, you know, from hunting and all of that, and he was weary, meaning he was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. And it's so ironic that he says red stew, because we see in Genesis 20, um, 25, 24, well, 25, 25, he says, And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment. And Esau means red, right? And Esau is the one that said to Jacob, please feed me and give me that red stew. Esau came out red and hairy. And he's here like, can I have some of the red stew? Therefore, it said, therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. I believe that there was a, some, some type of jealousy in Jacob's heart because he realized that his father spent more time with Esau. And he kind of wanted to have that firstborn grace. You know, a firstborn has that leadership, that the one that the parents look to to help raise some of the kids, right? And so I believe that Jacob was not seeing his own birthright because even if he's not the firstborn, he still has some type of a birthright. The younger child has some type of a birthright. The middle child has some type of a birthright. The older child has some type of birthright. And that's the thing about when you don't re recognize what you have and you look what and you look at what somebody else has so too much, you will not be able to, to see you will not be able to see what you possess yourself. And so it says here, and Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So that so what is this birthright to me? And that's the thing, is that sometimes even when, when we look at Esau, what Esau just said here. Some people don't know what they possess because they have not seen it through the eyes of the one that wants it. When you see what you possess through the person that wants what you have, you will see it differently. Esau did not see what he had. He, he didn't even see that his birthright, his birthright was more important than the red stew. His birthright was more treasuring, more, more sacred than that red stew. He was looking to... He, he, he was hungry and he was worried and he was tired. That's the thing about the, the enemy is that most people lose things when they are at a state of tightness, weariness. He was exaggerating like, oh, I'm about to die. No, you, you're not going to die from not having food. Yeah, you know, you can live for a certain amount of time. But he could have easily gone to his father or his dad or his, 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 um, 
his mother and said hey mom can you make me some food he could you know when you're not when you don't have the essential things that you need for your body to have you don't really think when you're not when you've not eaten you don't really think right right he i don't think he was fasting he was just tired from coming from from um from getting game from hunting there's a difference between fasting and hungry fasting you you have that holy spirit grace you you are even stronger in yourself in your spirit man even when your flesh is weak you're stronger at that time to have discernment your, your discernment is quicker when you're fasting but when you're hungry your discernment is not quicker so he didn't have discernment here he just wanted some red stew then jacob said um swear to me as of this day so he swore to him and sold his birthright to jacob you know, the Bible says that let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Swearing your birthright, that is a little extreme. But that's the thing about the flesh, that when you are hungry for something, you will not think straight. You will not be able to be wise in your decisions. And you will make a decision that you later on regret. So he sold his birthright, something that is very important. Something that's very, very important. Uh, he gave it away for some stew. And so the question to you is, what have you given away for your birthright? It might not be in the same you know, instance, but it could have been your, <coughs> excuse me, your identity. You probably gave your identity away because you, you merge in a certain community, a certain group of friends, and instead of being the Christian, instead of being putting your feet, your, your feet down and living in the principles that you, you grew up with, you compromised. You gave up your birthright to be accepted. Or you started to use drugs so you can fit in. You started to drink so you can fit in. That is giving up your birthright because your birthright is your freedom. Your freedom from addiction. And then you found yourself in addiction because you hang out with the wrong people. You wanted to be accepted. That acceptance is the stew that you took. Or maybe it might have been you compromising to get married to a man or a woman that you knew was not the right person for you because they, they don't have a heart for the Lord or they didn't, or you just wanted to settle. That settlement was you giving up your birthright. Or you lied at, at work so that you wouldn't get caught about something. And when you did that, you gave up the ability for them to trust you. And that's you giving up your birthright. So question is, what have you given up when you were hungry for something? It might not have been food that you were hungry for, but you were hungry for something, for power, for money, for fame. And you gave up your birthright. You weren't thinking straight. You were letting your flesh do the talking instead of the spirit of the Lord in you to do the talking. Did you swear? Did you make an oath? Did you make an agreement? I pray that the Lord will bring it back to you so that you can break it. If you need to break it, if you, if you, if you can, go back and revisit it and re, um, do the right thing. If you can go back and change it, can you do it? So we see here that and Jacob said and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. 
that Esau despised his birthright. So we see that he gave it away to satisfy his flesh. He gave it away. And, it, this is, and I'm talking to women here. Some of you have given up your birthright. How have you done that? I believe that there is a birthright for your husband to be the first one to consummate the marriage or consummate marriage through sex. I believe that some women have given up their birthright by sleeping with their boyfriends, thinking that, oh, if you don't sleep with him, then he's going to leave you. There is a, some type of a birthright in, in marriage where your husband should be the first one to have sexual encounters with you. You know, it is, it is his birthright to be the one to do that. And even for men, your wife should be the one to, it is her right to be the one to have those sexual encounters with you. But sometimes the world that we live in promotes sex so much that people who are in college or in high school or even post-high school, post-college, think, oh, you know, I can't be 30 and, and um, a straight person and still be a virgin. But you can. You don't have to give. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you probably are, you're probably still a virgin. And it's okay. I want to tell you right now, it's okay. Don't give your birthright of virginity. Don't give it up. Hold on to that birthright because it belongs to the man that's going to love you as a woman, as a wife. It belongs to the woman that's going to love you as a husband. That she's going to be your wife. She's going to be your wife and she's going to love you. And I tell you this, no woman who is um, secure in herself, a child, a daughter of God, will ever judge you for being a straight man who is still single. She won't. She will be actually pleased that you are still single and still a virgin when you guys get married. Because she will realize that you are a man after God's heart. That you're not here trying to lust and have body counts so that you think you're a man. And how, how, many, how many women you sleep with does not identify or define you as a man? There's more to it than that. But that's how the world sees it. So I don't know who you are, but I just want to encourage you in that. So that's how, you know, Jacob took Esau's birthright. That's how it came about. Um, and then we see that he actually left. He ran away. He ran away from home and he left with the birthright. Let's look at Genesis 32. Genesis 32 would tell us what happened with, with um, Jacob leaving home. Before we look at Genesis 32, I want us to take a moment. Because I feel like this is a, a very sacred moment right here. Uh, I want to play a song. And I, I want you to just sit at the Lord's feet and ask him concerning the birthrights that you've given away. Uh, if, if you do remember, 
start to write down what it is. If you don't remember, I just pray, God, that you will bring it back into their remembrance, the times that they give up their birthright, willingly and unwillingly, uh, knowingly and unknowingly. Uh, and I believe that the Lord wants to talk to you about, about that. He wants to do surgery. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you in that area. Uh, because you gave up your birthright, something shifted in your life that was not supposed to happen. Something happened. Some, some type of depression, grief, anxiety, uh, even suicidal thoughts. Something taken away from you caused you to lose a part of yourself. Because your birthright is a part of you. And that's the, that's the reason why the two, the two will become one because when you give that birthright of sex to your husband or to your wife, you're not really giving it away because you, you guys become one. You're really just sharing it with that person. Uh, and so, Lord, I just pray right now that as they take this moment to listen to worship, that you will minister to them that whatever it is that you want to tell them, whatever it is that you want to speak to them or even give them in this moment, that they will receive it, that they will be open. I pray with your ear gates, their eye gates, uh, their nose gates, every gate, God, and you just send your angels around them to minister to them. Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment that they're going to be having a, a time with the Lord, with the Father. And I even see some of you crying during this time because you, you are remembering what you gave up uh, for something temporarily that you thought would last. And God want to talk to you and deal with, deal with that and really comfort your heart. The Holy Spirit is a paraclete. He's a teacher. He's a comforter. He's a friend. And he's here to be with you in this moment right now concerning that birthright. Father, consume 
So here are these hands They haven't done so well But you were there Even when I made my bed in hell So here's my Consuming fire, consuming fire Consuming fire Oh, Father, consume me You can use me Breathe life into me Here on this altar Father, consume me can use me, breathe life into me, here on this altar, so Father consume me, you can use me, breathe life into me, here on this altar, and Father consume me.
just want to invite everyone who's willing and everyone who's able to find a space for like both of your knees here if you're able let's find a space to kneel So I hope that you took the moment and the time to really let the Lord speak to you on a deeper level um, and that you realize that God loves you and whatever it is that you had to endure, that he's there right next to you. He is Emmanuel, God with us, okay? And I hope that you surrender it to him for him to help you in that area. And I just want you to just take a deep breath and just breathe. Just breathe in the peace of God. Just let all of what it is that you just release to the feet of Jesus. The Bible says that we are to take captive every thought and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And make it subject to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You took captive of that. And you've surrendered it to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now it's for you to just leave it there at the feet of Jesus. For him to deal with it. And whatever it is that he told you to do, you do it. Okay? You do your part. And the Lord will do the rest. You do your part. And God will do the rest. to look at um, how how and why Jacob ran away from home uh, because Jacob stole Esau's blessing. We already know that Esau already gave him the his birthright through him giving him a stew. Um, 
And now this is what happens in Genesis 27. It says, one day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, and said, my son, yes, father, Esau replied. Let's pause. At that time, before a parent died, they would bless their child. And that was the custom. And I think that we need to go back to that custom because it's something that people don't do here. You know, nowadays in this world that we live in, people don't realize that you, what you speak over your child uh, is important. The blessings that you leave for them. It's not just, you know, the money and the land and the businesses that or the ministries that you give them, but, you know, saying a blessing over them. Blessings are as powerful as curses are, you know. Um, so it says, too, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know where, and I don't know when I, I may die. Take your your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Basically, he says, you know, prepare me a food. Go out, go get some deer, whatever it is that they hunt for during that time and bring it and prepare some food for me he says prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat that i will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you my first born son before i die we see that food is very important like food is a very uh pivotal thing that runs in this family uh it's like they 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 do things around food a lot um, appetite is something that I think might be a, a, a good thing and a bad thing for this family. But here, Isaac is asking Jacob to prepare some food for him. And we know that, you know, Jacob can prepare something for the dad. But we know that um, Esau is the one that really knows how to like cook cook because he um he's always with his mom so he knows how to do that but jacob overheard what esau what isaac had said to his son i mean excuse, excuse me but rebecca the mother overheard what isaac had said to his son so when esau left to hunt for the wild game um she she said to her son, Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. We know that Esau was the one who prepared game. Uh, Esau was the one who went out and hunted. Jacob was more the one that stayed in with the mom. Jacob had a smooth skin. Esau had a hairy body. So, um, Isaac did not tell Jacob that he should, you know, prepare food for him to bless him. But he said it to the firstborn son. And this is the right of the firstborn to be blessed, right? So, Rebecca heard about it and Rebecca was like, we all know the the favoritism that's happened in this family already. And so we see that Rebecca was like, uh, I want Jacob to be blessed because she loved Jacob more than Esau. So it says, 
I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Get out to the flocks and bring me two fine young, young goats. And if you've ever had goat, goats, it tastes delicious. Goat is, it tastes amazing. No other, no other animal tastes as good as uh, goat. Maybe a duck. I'll say a duck. But goats are delicious. Fried goats, sauteed goats, boiled goats, goats in soup, you name it. It tastes amazing. If you've never tasted goat, go get some goat. <laughs> uh, it says, I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. So she already knew, you know, Isaac's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat and bless, and bless you before he dies. Um, this is not good because Rebecca was helping her son lie and still, you know, a birthright. Um, Isaac should have known when he brought the food. He didn't say, um, how did, how did Jacob know how to prepare his favorite dish, you know, if he did not spend time with his dad? A lot like how Esau did. All of this should have been red, 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 um, red signal like to Isaac. Hey, this is not Esau, this is Jacob. But anyway, let's keep on reading. I think I'm giving the story away. But look, Jacob replied to Rebecca, My brother Esau is hairy man. It's a hairy man. My skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? See, he's using wisdom here. He will see that I'm trying to trick him. And then he will curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and, and get the goats for me. She just cursed herself. You know, there, this reminds me of when... Um, it says in Matthew twenty-seven twenty-four. You know, when, when Pilate, when Jesus was brought in before Pilate. So it says here, Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but uh, but that instead an uproar was, st- was started, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. This was when Jesus was brought to be, you know, judged by by the leadership in the government. Um, and Pilate, and Pilate was like, I find no fault. You know, he, he didn't find any fault. He didn't know how to, to go along with the people, what, what the Pharisees were, were wanting Jesus to, to be crucified. And so he said, he's going to wash his hands in front of the crowd. And he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. He said, it is your responsibility. And the people said, all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. And that was not good because they literally put a, um, a fault on themselves and on the future children, which is us. Because Pilate said, why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Pilate knew Jesus didn't do anything wrong. 
but the people wanted what they wanted because they were they had the, the enemy in their hearts not knowing that actually crucifying jesus was a, was something that was going to bless us you know god used it for good uh, but they said let you know let 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 the consequences be on us and our children and we are their descendants that they literally agreed to that consequences anyway so that reminds me of what what you know rebecca said here uh matthew 27:24 to 26 reminds me of what rebecca said said here to jacobs she said let the curse fall on me my son just don't just do what i tell you go out and get the goat for me so J- jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother Rebecca took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her son, Jacob. This is deception. This is like witchcraft, because witchcraft is control. They were trying to control the situation to get, you know, a blessing that did not belong to them. This is the definition of witchcraft. Witchcraft is trying to control somebody or a situation so that you get something without the willingness of the person. Because if 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 Isaac knew it was Jacob instead of Esau, he would not bless. He would not give Esau's blessing to Jacob. So this is witchcraft. People think that witchcraft is, oh, you know, having... Um, part of whatever you know how they portray it on tv no witchcraft can be you just trying to control somebody or control a situation for the benefit of you and this is it so she covered his arms and the smooth um part of his neck with the skin of the young goat she planned this out then she gave jacob the delicious meal including freshly baked bread so Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you? Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me you can give me your blessing. And this is like, how is it that Esau found two goats so quickly? Um, and Jacob is like, excuse me, how is it that Jacob found two goats so quickly? And Esau is like still in the, in the fields, you know, trying to get the goats. The Lord, your God, put it in my path, Jacob replied. Oh my goodness, they are lying. And he's like putting the Lord's name in this. This is how, this is what it means to, to speak the Lord's name in vain. People think just cursing and using God's name that is also in vain, but also like lying, manipulating by using the Lord's name. But, you know, people say, oh, God told me you are my wife. God told me you are my husband. Did God really say that? You know, uh, or people say, oh, God told me to do this. Or God told me to, to do that. And then in a few in a few days, in a few, you know, hours, oh, God told me not to do that. You, God God does not change his mind so so. Like how human think he does. Yes, he he can redirect you, but be careful when you say, "God put this in my path," or "God, you know, told me to do this." Because if you lie, God is your judge. Really, he says, "The Lord your God put it in my path," and he lied. 
Jacob lied with the Lord's name in it. Well, let's continue 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. They should have given it away. Like, you know your son's voice. Why are you being deceived? Why are you letting bewitchment deceive you? Because he wanted the food. He, he was probably smelling the food. And this is something that we see in this family. The food can be used to deceive them very quickly. It says, Isaac said, but he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hand hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So, ja- so Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, Now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. He had to eat before he blessed. I think that if he did not eat before he blessed him, I think that the Lord would have, you know, intervened. Well, I don't know why the Lord did not intervene and and speak to Isaac and say, Hey, Isaac, this is not your son, Jacob. I think that if he took a moment and prayed and asked the Lord, Lord, tell me, is this Jacob or Esau? God would have answered him. But I think he was so so hungry and ready to eat the game or eat, eat the food. Um, all right, let's continue. It says, um, he, he also drank. Uh, so Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced. And he blessed his son and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. Rebecca knew. Rebecca knew that this is all that I was going to go on. So she prepared. She put all of this together. And, you know, this is deception. This is deception. And it's high ranking. <laughs> um, this, she prepared him to smell him. She prepared him to feel him. She prepared him to eat the food. Like, everything was this. Even the wine. He didn't, he didn't ask for wine. He just asked for food. He, she wanted to get him a little drunk. Oh, deception and manipulation is witchcraft all right let's continue 28 from the dew of heaven this is the blessing that he's he's pronouncing over jacob and the richness of the earth may god always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine may many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. And this was the blessing that Isaac wanted for Esau, but Jacob stole it and deceived and got it. And this is a really beautiful blessing um, that he blessed Jacob. 
If you don't know how to bless your children, there's a good blessing to bless your children. So as so as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau finally found a game, right? 31. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. I bet Rebecca was looking, watching Esau prepare the, the, the food. This is just wrong. This is wrong in so many ways. Like one, the mother is literally hoping for the for the um, lack of blessing of the other other child. The mother doesn't even care about Esau. The mother doesn't care about the well-being of Esau. This is witchcraft. This is like when it says, do not let your child pass through the fire or something like that. I want to find a Bible verse. I know, like, people always say, oh, you know, um, witchcraft is, 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 is extreme. Witchcraft is very, um, not as extreme. You can, this is witchcraft right here. Manipulation, favoritism, it's all witchcraft. Leviticus, Leviticus 18.21 it says do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech for you must not profane the name of the, your, your God I am the Lord mm. this is not what I was looking for oh yes it is what I was looking for but it's in a different translation I want to see where this is the fire okay uh, the amplified alright let's see you shall not give any of your children to offer them by fire as a sacrifice to Moloch, the god of the Ammonites. Nor shall you profane the name of your god by honoring idols as gods. I am the Lord. This is like Rebecca and Jacob literally going against Leviticus 18.21. Like this is horrible. Why, as a mother, why would you want to I bet she was standing there watching her son prepare a meal, knowing in her heart, knowing in her mind that her, uh, her her son's birthright was being taken away from her, from 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 him. This is witchcraft. This is literally witchcraft, and I I would say that this is witchcraft. To to do this is witchcraft. To try and cause the downfall of one of your children is witchcraft. Then uh, let's see thirty two. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's word, words, he left out. He let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father. What about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. That's why you have to be careful what you name your child, your children, because what you name them will be um, something that can define them, right? 
first he took my my right as the firstborn and now he has stolen my blessing oh haven't you saved even one blessing from me Isaac said to Esau I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine what is left for me to give you my son Esau pleaded But do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Oh, this is really sad. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck and that was the blessing that he gave um Esau so let's see what Esau I mean Jacob did 41 from that time on Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing and Esau began to scheme I will soon be mourning my father's death then I will kill my brother Jacob This is like, you know, um the the way that he wanted to get revenge was to kill his brother. He was literally pronouncing the death of Jacob, and that's not good either. Um This is like Cain and Abel, right? This kind of the spirit of, you know, de- the spirit of uh, murder that we see between Cain and Abel came right here. Um, 42. But Rebecca heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, "Listen, Esau. Listen, Esau is co- consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? You are the one who planned all of this. It is your fault, Rebecca, that all of this came into play. You are the one who called Jacob and told him what your plan was that you wanted him to get the blessing that did not belong to him. The mother is the one that conspired all of this craziness. And she's the one trying to control everything. This is witchcraft control. Witchcraft is control. It's Jezebel always trying to make things happen how they want it to happen. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I am sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. Again, this is control. Why don't you just let your child marry who the Lord leads him to marry? So then, you know, Jacob This was her trying to use it as a scheme to cause Jacob to flee. I can't. This is like when you read through this, you really see the 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 conjuring spirit of Rebecca, the lying spirit and manipulation spirit. That's Jezebel. Jezebel is manipulating. Witchcraft is manipulating. So we see why, you know, Jacob ran away because of the schemes that happened. And he could have easily told his mother like, "Hey mom, no." We can't do this. 
we shouldn't do this. This is not right. But they both, they both did not have the fear of God in them because they lied with the Lord's name in it. Do not lie with the, the Lord's name in it. So Let our worship rise tonight, God. We'll pour our love on you. Break open our box. Give you everything. From here to there, worship is filling the atmosphere, both now and then. Songs of your love will never end. All day and night.
So now I want us to look at when Jacob fled and left. I want us to look at Genesis 29. Uh, no, let's look at Genesis. Um, 32. Let's see. Let's look at Genesis 32. That's when Esau comes to meet Jacob. Let's look at Genesis 29. Uh, 
Genesis 29, Jacob meets Rachel. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there was three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there. And they, were, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. This is so prophetic in nature, but I'm, I'm going to move on and keep reading. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from uh, Haran. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, this is a divine appointment right here. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. This is so prophetic. Like we cannot until all the flocks. This is the spirit. This is the spirit of unity right here that is being explained. And they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. This is, you know, Psalms 133, how it talks about unity in the kingdom. Um, now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess, meaning that she was a woman who took care of sheep. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Jacob was like, I'm going to show her. <laughs> I'm going to show her I'm strong. <laughs> then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced and kissed, embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are born, you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Now, before we do this, I want us to read where Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Because that's important. When he left, he went and wrestled with God. But of course, he wrestled after he went to Laban's houses because it's in Genesis 32. So let's keep on reading. I want us to look at that later on. Jacob marries Leah and Rachel. Um, it's important that we look at this part because this is how Isaac is born. I mean, excuse me. This is how uh, Joseph is born. Excuse me, <laughs> Isaac. This is how um, this is how J Joseph was born, and this is in a way like Isaac because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel and have children with Rachel but then he was given Leah and that whole 
Hagar, concubine thing, we see here too. You know, we see it here as well. That when women are fighting during that time, they will give their husbands their concubines to have kids. Like, look, my concubine can have more kids than your concubine. So concubines were basically like servants that, that the mistresses had. <coughs> and also uh, the other wives that men during that time had. Um, and so we see the same type of Hagar and Sarai fighting about, you know, whose concubine can give more kids. We see that same issue here. So let's read it. Then Laban said to Jacob, Genesis 29, 15. Because you are my relatives, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes was deli were delicate, meaning that Leah was not really the pretty one. Leah probably wore glasses. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. And that really explains itself. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Well, he did love her because he was about to, you know, pull, pull a muscle <laughs> trying to water these and give water to the sheep. <laughs> uh, 19. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So they basically had an agreement here to have Jacob work for Laban for seven years. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days. Oh, that is so romantic. Jacob worked for Rachel, and it seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. That is so pretty. I love that. Let's read that again. That's so romantic. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. This is so pretty. You know, this is like, can a guy court you for however many years he needs to court you until you realize that, you know, he is the one for you? Like, if a man is not serving you, and you know being present and and doing all that he can to to have you he he is not a jacob to your ritual okay <laughs> he he served her in that the, the seven years felt only like days because he loved her so much the guy that you're dating and you call him when you're you know when you when you need him to help you with something and he's like, I'm busy, I'm busy. He ain't your Jacob, sis. I don't know who I'm talking to, but he ain't it. You know deep down he's not serving you and, he, and, and him being with you doesn't seem like only, seven, only a few days. I'm going to share this story about this girl. Uh, she is a, um, a YouTuber and she and her husband... I think they're really, really well-known. Adana and I forgot, I forgot her husband's name. I think her husband probably is... Oh, no, her husband's name is David. Because she calls him David. I don't know why, but she calls him David instead of David. That's how I remembered. Anyway, so Adana and David, they were basically uh, in college. And 
they were to you know they were not together but they were in college they liked each other but Adana was not ready for a relationship because she wanted she wanted to be a you know in medicine she wanted to be a doctor so she was really focused on school she was very studious always reading her her books very very studious very stu- st- studious <laughs> studious she was very studious and she would always like you find her in the library you find her reading her books getting what she need from the school and uh David or David as she calls her as she calls him was in love with Adana but Adana wanted friendship so David went to another like I think he went to like an African country or something but he always knew that she was the one for 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 him fast forward 3 years later I think it was like 5 years later even more I think it was more than that they finally came back together um and they met up and then the spark started to happen again and, and adana was like yeah she, yeah she has found the one she always had found the one but she was not ready and i believe that this is something that the lord is telling many women that you got to let your jacob serve maybe his servant is not him literally serving you you know but maybe his servant is him not being with you for a certain amount of time because God is doing something in him. I believe that while Jacob was serving for Rachel, he was learning what patience is. He was learning patience, the fruit of patience. Because it takes patience to want to serve for that many years to have somebody. And he was learning how to be patient to receive what he wants, not to be a supplanter, not to be a deceiver. Cuz he deceived his brother and got the birthright. But God is like, "No, I, you're not going to get rich through deceiving. I'm going to I'm going to teach you how to be at the other side of deception." Because Laban if, when we keep on reading, Laban really deceived him because uh he did not give rich to him after 7 years. He gave Leah to him. It says here um It is better that well, let me see hold on. Yeah, it says 21. Genesis 29:21. It says then Jacob said to Laban, "Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her." And Laban Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in that evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpa to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that behold it was Leah. He said and he said to Laban, "What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? The deceiver has been deceived." And Laban said, "It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week." and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another 7 years this was the custom that the firstborn would get married first before the secondborn that was the birthright of the firstborn to get married first and this is so 
funny how God puts Jacob in that position to to be the one to help establish the birthright of Leah being the one who was supposed to marry first when he stole the birthright. That is so like God to cause him to be in a situation where he has to fulfill the birthright when he just took a birthright from someone, from his own brother. And this is so like the Lord to show Jacob like, hey, you cannot be a deceiver of birthrights. This is how it is. The firstborn is supposed to get married first. And that's what's going to happen. You're not, this time you're not going to take somebody's birthright from them. You're going to restore a birthright. You're going to fulfill a birthright. And the birthright of, La of Laban's daughter, Leah, was to have her get married first. And so she got married. And of course, anybody in that situation would not be happy. Then, ja then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave her, he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban and still another seven years. Um, so we see that this is um, how the Lord wanted to show Jacob how things should be done. You know, I, I don't think that the Lord, I don't think that, you know, um, it's right for, for Laban not to tell um, Jacob that, hey, this is how it's supposed to be. He should have told him from the beginning that, hey, yeah, you're going to work for Rachel, but I want you to know that you, when you do work for seven years, you're going to actually marry Le Le Leah first, and then you can work another seven years and marry um, Rachel, right? But he didn't do that. But God knew how to show him what patience is because he had to work 14 years basically for Rachel, for the woman that he truly loved. And he had to work and do it in the right way, meaning that the birthright of Leah to get married first, he did it that way. And then Rachel got married second. So it's important to God that order is set in place, right? Because Jacob did not go through order to get a birthright. He, he, he literally deceived and, and took the birthright. Yes, he, he gave, Esau gave the birthright away. He did. But Jacob could have said, hey, I will give you the, the stew. It's okay. You know, I'm not the older one. It's fine. You can have the stew. You are my brother. You are, you are my bone. You are my flesh. You can have the stew. He could have just given it to him as a as a sibling love. But because there was already already a sibling rival, he was already jealous. He wanted to take, you know, his birthright as well. Um, so we see how Rachel became wife to Jacob. Um, and Leah gave birth. He, she gave birth to Reuben, she gave birth to um, Simeon. She gave birth to Levi. She gave birth to um, a lot of sons. She had a lot of sons that she gave birth to Jacob. But Jacob did not love her. Jacob loved Rachel more because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. And then back to the story 
of Adana and David, they got married. They did. But it took some years for them to finally get married. And I believe that the, the, the guy, David, just like, Joseph, um, just like jo- Jacob, was learning the fruit of patience. You know, men who have to wait to get married to their wives, God is teaching you the fruit of patience, really. Um, and especially if you're called to the apostolic, you need patience. <laughs> Apostles need a lot of patience right? That's, part, that's one of the key fruits of an apostle is patience. And so if God is causing you to wait to get married, he's trying to use this time and this circumstance to teach you patience. And then there are some men who, uh, you know, they're like, oh, they're not going to wait. They're just going to settle and just pick somebody and just get married and be with them. And that's that. But then deep down in your heart, they still love their, their, their ritual. You know, even when Leah and Jacob were together, Jacob still loved Rachel. Because if, he, if he, he didn't love Rachel, he would not work for her still. He would be like, you know what? I worked seven years. I'm done. <laughs> I would just settle with Leah. That's what he would have said. But he said, no, no, no. He loved Rachel. So he worked again for her. And there are some people who have, settled with the Aaliyahs. They've just been like, yeah, your Aaliyah might not be somebody that you married, but maybe your Aaliyah might be your career. You, you worked for seven years to get a degree, and you knew God wanted a ritual degree for you. And you settled. Maybe you were supposed to be a doctor, and you, you worked, and you said, you know what? I'll just use the degree that I have. I'm not going to go to, you know... Um, medical school or maybe you were supposed to be you know a pastor and you say you know what I'll just settle you know and maybe you were called to come out of a certain community or a certain city state country and move to a certain place but you're like no I'm gonna settle you know did you settle with your Leah what is your Leah ask the Lord God show me my Leah that I settled with. Because I know you wanted a ritual for me. I know you wanted me to birth a Joseph and a Benjamin. Because we see that Rachel actually gave birth to Jake, um, to Joseph. With, you know, Israel. With Jacob. He, Jacob and, and Rachel give birth to Joseph. And Benjamin. We don't see what the Lord does until we are near, until we are close to it. Jacob did not give up. He knew Rachel was the one for him. Have you given up on your ritual? Have you given up on the business that God called you to have? Have you given up on the books and the manuscripts and the churches and the ministries and the you know, the TV show and the, uh, even the marriage that God wants for you, the children that he wants for you, you know, the schools that he wants you to build, your family. Have you given up on the man or the woman of God that the Lord Jesus called you to be? Have you given up on your identity as somebody in the fivefold ministry? because of all that you've heard or because of somebody deceived you 
like Laban deceived Jacob. He didn't let the deception stop him. He, he knew how to deceive himself. <laughs> he, the, the, the deceiver met a deceiver. And he said, you know what? I'm going to press through and get what I came here for. Get what I want. Get what I love. And that was Rachel. He loved Rachel so much. And I believe that the Lord has put a love in your heart for something, for a reason. The reason why you love that thing so much, you, you love what God has placed in your heart. The reason why you love ministry so much, the reason why you love to pray for people who are sick, to see people who are bound come out of wheelchairs, to, 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 to see ministries grow, to see businesses grow. The reason why you love to see TV shows, you know, um, show more sacred, more holy things. The reason why you love the outdoors, the reason why you love to hunt, the reason why you love to dress in purity, the reason why you love that man that you are in love with as a woman, the reason why you love that woman as a man that you are in love with is because that's your ritual. The reason why you would love church, that you want to build churches, is because that's your ritual. That is your ritual. And you got to work for your ritual. Richard, Richard didn't, didn't just show up and just, you know, marry Jacob. No, he had to work for it. And sometimes you will come in, in the midst of supplanters. Sometimes you'll come in the midst of sabotage and, and, and confusion and unexpected, you know, birthright assignments that you might have to endure. I don't think Jacob was thinking of marrying Leah. But he's like, you know what? If that's what it takes for me to have a ritual, then let it be. So you got to tell the Lord, if, if suffering is what it takes for me to be an apostle, if suffering is what it takes for me to be a pastor, a teacher, you know, prophet, evangelist, let it be. If, if, you know, you have to die to yourself to have a great marriage, let it be. If you have to wait for years, remember... We see that Isaac waited with Rebecca for 20 years before they had Esau and Jacob. If you have to wait to have kids, let it be. God knows what he's doing. It was important for Jacob to marry Rachel. It was also kind of important for Jacob to marry Leah. Because out of these women's children, the tribe of Judah became. Out of these women, the, tri the tribe of Judah became. These women and their concubines, right? So God is the God of Romans 8.28. He knows how to shift the things that are not good into good. I want us to read... Um, I want us to read Genesis. Let's see. I want us to, I want us to continue to read and find out how Joseph was born. It looks like through this generation they had a delay in childbirth. But in that delay, God was still faithful. They, they, they were barren. And there was a lot of barrenness. But the thing is that to them, they were barren. But to God, they were not. 
because eventually they had children. You know, what have you been labeling yourself in your season of waiting? That is not true. Some of you have called yourself um, monks. You think that you're not ever going to get married. Some of you have called yourself, oh, you, you have the gift of singlehood. No, you don't. God, if God has placed a desire for you to have a husband as a wife or to have a wife as a husband, you are not caught to the single life. Because if you're caught to the single life, you will not even be thinking about a marriage at all. So stop labeling yourself when God has not labeled you that way. And stop agreeing with the enemy and saying you don't want kids. Because you keep, when you keep saying you don't want kids, the enemy is agreeing with you. Because if you have the gift of marriage, if you have the desire to get married, God want to bring kids out of that marriage. If you want to get married, your future spouse want to have kids. Because marriage is not just to, to just get married, but to produce, to reproduce. <clears throat> However long you have to wait, it's going to happen. So I don't know who you are, but stop saying you don't, ha- you don't want kids. Because you're agreeing with the enemy. You're decreeing those things. Out of the, ma- out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the, mar- the mouth speaks. What is in your heart that you need to deal with? What are you scared of? I know I'm talking to somebody. What are you scared of being a father? What are you scared of being a mother? You think you know, you're not going to be a good mother or a good father? You think you're, you, you're going to be like your dad? Your, your, your dad is going to walk away from the marriage or from the kids? What are you scared of that you, you keep saying you don't want to have kids? When God has called you to bear children, to produce, to have heirs, to pass on the mantles on your life to your kids. Stop saying that. All right, let's continue. It says, now Reuben went in the days. Uh, then Leah said, I am, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name. Uh, let's continue. Let's see. So let's basically from, from the time that Jacob and Richard got married, Leah started to have kids. She gave birth just to win her husband's love. And she never did. And that was the sad part because at the end she said, you know what? I'm going to give birth and I'm going to give birth and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. She said, mm. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Genesis 30, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die again. <laughs> oh, Lord. This is the flesh talking, right? Because we see that. Um, I see that, Lord. We see that Esau was like, give me a stew or I'm going to die. <laughs> and here is Rachel telling Jacob, give me children or else I die. <laughs> Oh, he, he probably had a, a flashback moment. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God? And that's true. You know, some of you are, are trying to 
get things from your husband when you were supposed to look to the Lord. The Lord is supposed to be your husband first. Ladies, God is supposed to be your husband first before you get married. Because there are things that your husband can never give you, ever. He's not supposed to give you. Yes, he has sperm, but he's not the one that created kids. Yes, he has sperm, but he don't, he don't, he's not the one that put a baby in your belly. It's the Lord that does that. Okay? So stop putting the pressure on him. Because you're, you're, that man is pressured to death. <laughs> he is pressured. And maybe it might, not, it might not be kids, but it might be financial burden that you put it on him. You know, you're probably putting things on him that he's not supposed to carry. Your, your childhood trauma, you put it on him. He's, he's not the one to carry those. He can help you by praying for you, but the Lord is the one that does the surgery on your heart. He says, am I in the place of God? Who has withheld you? Who, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And that's what some of your husbands are telling you ladies right now. Is he the, in the place of God? He's not. So take him out of that place right now. Tell, tell the Lord, Lord, I take my husband out of the place of God that I've placed him in. And I put you in that place, Lord. So she said, here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees. That I also may have children by her. And the same thing with, with um, Leah and Rachel. We see it with Sarah and Hagar. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. We see that same generational thinking. The, 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 the Abraham generational issues that we see here. It's like resurface its head. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. The Rachel said, God judge. God has judged my case, and he, also, he has also heard my voice and given me a son. But the thing is, Rachel, the Lord wants you to have sons, okay? Not just through somebody else. So what is, what is the Lord saying right now? Some people, you're trying to, to, to accomplish what you desire through somebody else. You have taken a relationship so that you can have what you wanted. But God is like, no, I wanted you to have your own. You can have your own through me. If you trust me... And wait, I will give you your own. Therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. This is like a competition. And indeed, I have prevailed. So she, she called his uh, This is like two women fighting in the flesh. You know, this is all fleshly things happening here. That's the, that's the thing about when you allow your, your jealousy to come in, you will do things that when you look back, you're like, why did I even do that? I bet, I bet when Rachel finally had J Joseph and, and Benjamin, she was like, I could have waited. Why did I have to, you know, cause my husband to sleep with all the women? Instead of, you know, having this competition, she could have gone on her knees and prayed. And kept praying and waiting like Hannah did. They were just having a competition. Let, let, let's move on. Let's go down to... Um, 
let's let's go to when Jacob and Rachel had Joseph. Let's look at Let's look at Genesis 30, 22. So after all of this competition between, you know, concubines, maid servants, and Jacob just sleeping with all these women that Leah and Rachel in their own little rivalry and war that they were having, just bringing women to him to have sex with and have kids with so that they can count how many kids they've They've brought for Jacob all of that craziness. Let's go to Genesis 30, 22. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her. Because she was praying <laughs> and still putting things in her own hands. That's the thing. You can't be praying and doing things in your own flesh and open her womb. And she conceived. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. I love this part because the moment she had Joseph, she decreed. She said, the Lord will add to me another son. She spoke it. She said, yeah, I had Joseph, but I know God is going to bless me with another son. And she did. She had Benjamin. We see in Genesis uh, 35, 16 to 18. Let's look at Genesis 35, 16 to 18 when she had um, Benjamin. It says here. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrat, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was. As her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father, which is you know, Israel at that time, called, his, called him Benjamin. She, so, so Rachel died and was buried. So Rachel had a, a son, and his name is Benjamin. She spoke it in Genesis 30. And she had it in Genesis 35. Uh, Benjamin means son of the right hand. Son of the right hand. And Benjamin is the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons. 
okay? So we see that we've learned a lot of lessons here through this whole thing. And, you know, we can have gone in depth more about it, but I just wanted to look at what it is that went on in the family, what, what is being carried on. We see that there's a generational rivalry between siblings. We saw it with Jacob and Esau, even in their mother's womb. The Lord already prophesied that, you know, already spoke it, that it's, they're going to be two nations. They're going to, you know, separate one. is going to rule over the other. We already saw that happening. And we see that there is this barrenness that they were pronouncing over themselves, but actually they were not barren. They were just, they just had to be patient and wait for the Lord, right? Um, and we see that there's this birthrightness that God wants to establish in the family. Like, hey, birthrights are important to the Lord. You know, it's important to Him. And so we see that there are things... that could change and it is going to change with the help of joseph because he's the redeemer of the family he's the one that the lord wants to use to deliver the family and he is he is going to use him to to deliver the family Some of you are Josephs right now. Your family drama, your family lineage is not pretty. It probably is worse than what we see here with all these, you know, sabotage and um, deception and lying and selling birthrights and people fighting, wives fighting with each other, who's going to give more kids to the husband. We see a lot of issues in this in this family. And the Lord sees it too, you know? So whatever issue is in your family, you were born there for a reason. Maybe you are the one to bring redemption into the family. You are the one to salvage. You are the, the priesthood of your family because Joseph is a priesthood. Even with all of these, you know, issues in the family, the tribe of Judah came from these women. (laughs) They came from these women that were, you know, fighting with each other. Fighting with each other, making all these issues with each other. The Lord still used them. You know, the Lord still used them to do the work that he wanted to do. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but your mistakes, God can use it all. The 12 tribes of Israel. That's what I meant, sorry. The 12 tribes of Israel came from Judah, the son of Jacob. And Judah came from Leah. Judah came from Leah. So, remember that 
even when somebody try to deceive you, God knows how to use it all for his good. He knows how to use it all for his good. With, with all that happened, Jacob was able to marry Rachel. And I want us to look at when Jacob wrestled with the Lord. 32, Genesis 32, 24. Let's look at that. And then we're going to wrap up. Genesis 32, 24. I am prophetically teaching. So um, whatever I said, I don't remember. I have to go back and listen to everything that I said. Then Jacob, it says here, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. I want us to read from beginning to Genesis 32 22 and he arose in that night and took his two wives his two female servants which are the concubines and his 11 sons and crossed over to the fort of Japok he took them sent them over the brook and sent over what he had then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the him he wrestled with the Lord. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel. You know what Israel means? Let's look what Israel means. Jacob, we know, means supplanter, deceiver. But Israel means God contended wrestled with God, triumphed with God. That's what it means. So he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. This is so symbolism of what Jacob had to go through. He had to really wrestle with Laban, right? With men. And he had to really wrestle with God for what he wanted. And I believe this is symbolic of his life in general. And he had a name change. He had a name change. And sometimes God will allow you to, to go through some things with him and with people. And when you have prevailed, you will have a name change. You know, the Lord was talking to me today about how he is protecting his children right now from from enemies that have come against them, that he's sending his angels and arrows to go against those that have come against his children. And he led me to Zechariah, uh, Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, Zechariah 9, 9 to 14. It says, then the Lord will appear over them and his arrow will go forth like lightning and the Lord God will blow the trumpet and will march in the storm winds of the south. And you can read more of what Zechariah says. It talks about how rejoice, O Zion. 
you know, for the Lord would do this for you. And the Lord was also talking to me about how many people want to be in the priesthood, you know, want to be priests like um, Joseph's and be priests. But the thing is, being a priest, being somebody who's called to, to have a change agent anointing assignment grace upon your life then you will go through suffering even with name change you will have to go through some suffering we see that paul his name was changed from saul to paul and that change was a lot he was blinded literally went blind he, he had to go on a fast <laughs> a holy ghost fast and god sent ananias to him to open his eyes and Ananias said, Lord, don't you know about who this Saul is? But then God told him, go, this man is my chosen instrument. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And people don't realize that suffering comes with a name change. When God changes your name from sinner to redeemed, to a child of God, you will go through suffering. You know, there's the, the moment of woo, 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 wooing. I call it the woo, the wooing season that God puts Christians in that they just, everything is just perfect. Oh my gosh, I just gave my life to Christ and I just got a new job. I got a raise, you know. Oh my gosh, everything is working great, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's that season of courtship, even in relationship, Right? The same with the Lord. You don't feel no, no, you know, attacks yet because he is trying to prepare you so that when you mature, you're not just feeding on milk, but on meat. Because when you start to feed on meat of the word, you, you attacks do, does come because you have matured and you can handle those attacks. But when you are a child, when you move from sinner to redeemed, God is protecting you from every single fiery dot he can. Every single fiery dot he's, he is protecting you from every enemy. Because he knows that you're too young in Christ to handle it. So when he matures you and perfects you and grows you to a point where he, he knows that you can handle. Because he never put more on you than you can bear, right? So the things that he's not put on you, he knew you, you couldn't bear it. And the things that he's, he's allowed... He knew you can bear. Job, God knew Job could, could bear the things that he went through. That's why he allowed the enemy to, to do all that he, he did. Because he knew Job would not curse him and die. That's why he questioned Job. Job, where were you when I created this? Job, where were you when this happened? Where were you? Because he knew that he is... Above all, that he is God all by himself. That he is the creator of everything. Even the enemy. He did not create the enemy to be an enemy. He created him to be a worshiper. But this, that, that, that envy and jealousy just crept into his heart. He wanted to be God. Was he surprised that the devil, be, that the angel... That he created will become a devil? No. But that's the thing about God. That he doesn't force you to be right. He doesn't force you to do right. He gives you room 
for you to do right. Just as he tells us to give him room for him to vindicate us. He doesn't force himself to vindicate us. He tells us to give him room to vindicate us. He's not forceful. And so whatever that you had to endure in life, remember that when you contend with God and with men, the things that you have to endure, the things that you have to go through, just as we see that, you know, Jacob had to go through certain things. Was he, was he right in, in taking his brother's birthright? No, he didn't steal it. He gave it away willingly, but he deceived him in a way. He, he shouldn't have, you know, he should have said, you are my brother. I'm just going to feed you just because you are my brother. But there's that spirit of jealousy that was between them because their parents, you know, Rebecca loved Jacob more and Isaac loved, Rich, um, loved Esau more. And the same thing that we see with Isaac and, and uh, Esau and Jacob and Rebekah, we see it in Jacob as well. Jacob did not learn from what he, he experienced as a child with his parents. He loved Joseph and Benjamin more than he loved Leah's children. Because he loved Rachel more. But he should have learned. Being, being in the position of his own children when he was young. He should have learned and said, you know what? I didn't like it when my, my dad loved Esau more than me. So why am I loving one children more than the other? And we're going to find out about that next week. When we talk about Jacob, Joseph, and Joseph's brothers you know we're gonna talk about that so i do want to correct myself that the tribe of israel came out of judah who is leah's son and jacob's son so we see that you know he had a name change things changed for him and god triumphed whatever he said it happened um so the lessons that we can learn here is that whatever family you came out of God had a purpose for you to be in that family, right? God had a purpose for Abraham to marry, uh, to marry Sarah, for um, him to have, him and Sarah to have Isaac. God had a reason why he had Rebecca and Isaac get married. God had a reason why he allowed Laban to cause Jacob to marry Leah and then later on marry you know, Rachel, because the tribe of Israel from Judah was supposed to happen, right? God had a reason why he had Joseph come out of Rachel instead of Leah. I mean, have you ever, like, thought about it? Like, God, God could have caused Jacob to come out of Leah, right? But no, he had to have Joseph come out of Rachel, and Benjamin come out of Rachel. And we're going to see why when we study about the story of Joseph, the year of Joseph's. So I want you to go back, you know, before the Lord and just really talk to him about your family, where you came from, your, 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 your generations. If you don't know about your family generations, this is a good time to learn about your lineage. 
your genealogy of where you came from. Who who are your great grandmother? We know that you you know J- uh, Joseph's great grandparent was Abraham, Isaac, right? Who are your great grandparents? Where where did they come from? What did they struggle with? You know what is in your lineage? What what are some generational blessings and some generational curses? You you gotta look look in those because those generational blessings and curses they they do follow you around, and and sometimes you are the person to you are the the chain breaker you are the priesthood that's supposed to break it. So if you don't know what it is, then you you don't know how to break it, right? If if it's a spirit of of um a pedophile that is in your family, you need to know know what it is, so you break it. If it's a spirit of lust, you need to know what it is, so you break it. If it's a spirit of barrenness, you need to know, so you can break it. If it's a spirit of anger or jealousy or um, addiction, whatever it is, you need to know so you can break it. If it's a spirit of homosexuality, you need to know so you can break it. You need to be the one that says it stops with me. You need to be that one that says that. And I believe I'm talking to those chain breakers right now. And you know what? You are not the one that's going to break it on your own. The Lord is going to use you to break it. The Gideon anointed is going to come upon you. And you're going to go, if you need to go at nighttime, <laughs> like Gideon did because he was afraid. You're going to do it afraid and break it and destroy the altars that your family has put up. Some of you, it might be altars of adultery, altars of pride, altars of deception, altars of secrets. Secrets in your family. And you know who the revealer of all secrets is? As Daniel said in the book of Daniel, the Lord. He is a revealer of secrets. Trust me. God will tell you if you have brothers somewhere else that your parents have not told you. He will. He knows how to tell you those things. But you got to spend time with the Lord. Just as John put his head on the bosom of Jesus, you got to put your head on his bosom. Be a friend of the Holy Spirit and he will reveal it to you. Trust me, God wants you to break it. He wants you to do do it. He wants you to be the chain breaker. That's why... He allowed you to come into the family. I know many of you are like, oh my gosh, if you only knew my family. <laughs> oh my gosh, if you only knew my family, Bernice. Well, guess what? Who knows your family? The Lord did. And he did not make a mistake when he put you in there. Many of you have asked the Lord, why didn't you even put me here? Why didn't you make me come from, you know, uh, Oprah or the president of USA? Like somebody who is rich. <laughs> but you know what? They also have their own issues. Okay, so be okay with the family that God has given you. We've learned a lot of lessons here. I don't remember most of the things that I said. So I want you to write down those lessons. If any of this is talking to you, write it down. We took some time before the Lord to to hear him and to really surrender some things and really ask him some questions. Okay, so I want you to go back and reread Genesis 25, 19 to 34, Genesis 32, 24 to 32, Genesis 29, 15 to 30, Genesis 31 to 24, Genesis 35, 16 to 18. Read the word of God. 
We had a lot of Bible in some revelations. I did not think about those revelations while I was here, but the Lord is the one that brought it to me. I didn't think about it before I came. I put down the Bible verses, but the God that we serve is the one that brings the increase, right? And so we're going to end the episode for today. We are talking about Joseph, the year of Joseph's. And sometimes before you can know that you are Joseph, you have to go back in time and learn about where you came from and why you are here. So next week, we're going to learn more about who Joseph is. We're going to look at his present. Well, I will not say present because those were in the past. But we're going to look at where he is in the word of God. We look at his past concerning where he came from, his family is about all of that. So now we're going to look at him and his immediate family at that time where he was, from where we begin, okay, about Joseph, where um, we start off. And um, if you want, you can read before you we come together. And it's going to be Genesis 37 to 50. We're going to focus on those uh, Bible verses from Genesis 37 to 50. I'm going to share this. I remember one time a pastor told me before the Lord would send anybody. Well, I'll say that. He said, before the Lord sends people to the nations to dismantle powers of darkness in the nations, he first sent you to your nation. And your nation is your family. Your family. He sent you to your family for you to break down and dismantle, like how Gideon, before Gideon was going to go and, and, and win the war, he had to go and dismantle the altars in his family. So I believe this, is, this whole episode was for you to, to learn about Joseph's family and to see the things that are good and the things that, and the things that are not good, to then put the mirror in your own face and look and see, look through and look at your own family and look at the things, that, the things that are good and the things that are not good. And ask the Lord to help you break down altars that you see as a repetition in your family. And trust me, God will reveal it to you. Some of you, you already know what it is, but God want to deal with that. He want to show it to you so that you know what it is, so that you cannot pass it on to your kids. Okay. All right. So, Father, we thank you for this moment of your word, of revelation, of triumph, of your kingdom assignment. God, we thank you for revealing things to us that we did not see, things that were hidden from us, things that were in hindsight that we did not even see, the things that you open, the doors that you open for us to enter into. <coughs> In the time that we spent with you. So we ask you for grace in this time. Grace to be able to know what's in the families. Uh, God, I pray that you give the people that are listening as they go and journey back in time to learn about their families. Give them grace to know about their family. Give them grace to extend to their family. Some of them... Their families did some really, really crazy things because they didn't have knowledge of you or even they didn't have the Holy Spirit to help guide them. So I just pray that, Lord, you give them grace, that they will be able to extend grace to their forefathers, that they will be able to 
uh, get a revelation of why they did what they did, that they will be able to uh, be forgiven, yeah, forgiven and understanding that what happened does not define their whole entire life. That they can be the one that will stand in the gap and redirect and realign through prayer, worship, fasting. Bring that piece of destruction in your family to your feet, Jesus. That you being the porter, that you will mend this clay and put it into how you want it to be. I just pray that they will have such a trust and a faith in you that whatever it is that they discover will not be impossible for you to do because you are God of the impossibility. You know how to make the impossible possible. And so I pray that they will not limit you. I pray that, Lord, they will remove every limitation off of you, that you can do the exceedingly, abundantly, above all they can imagine and think. The eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what you have in store for them. And I even pray that, Lord, you will grace them with the Gideon anointing. That they will be able to have uh, a fear of God, not a fear of man. No, I pray for a fear of you, Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom and understanding and knowledge upon them. That the fear of men will shatter off of them. That they will be bold in who you call them to be as sons and daughters of God. That they are bekure, besoto. That yes, indeed, they are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God says, haven't I given you authority to trample upon serpents and, and scorpions and all the kingdom of darkness? And nothing by any means will ever hurt you. Luke 10, 19. That is your armor. That is your hold. Hold on to Luke 10, 19 as you go and search what it is that God wants you to see in your family. Help them, Lord. I ask that, Lord, you even send angels to help them, to minister to them, to help them in this moment, in this time. And send uh, those that need to be around them to help them. Because Gideon had, took that one person with him to, to his enemy's camp. He couldn't go by himself. But, God, you help him help somebody with him. So send, him, send them there. That, that, they are one person. Send them their errands, Lord. Send them their errands. And their Mariams, God, send them their errands. That will help them. In the name of Jesus. And I pray that, Lord, everything, everything that we've heard, let it not fall on rock. Let it fall on good soil. That it will grow. And your water of your word will water it. That it will nourish. Help, help them to meditate on your word day and night. And keep your word in, your, in their heart and be doers of your word. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for this moment. And it's in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Devoted with me today. We talked about the year of Joseph's mentors and lessons. And I hope that you learned some lessons here that God is indeed in control of it all. And he's in control of your family as well. I don't know who's crying, but I just want you to just wipe your, wipe your tears and just smile. Wipe your tears and just smile because God is in control. Love you all. Have a great day. Have a joyful day.